Hope everybody had a great weekend. Bill Kipper and Bourne, season two, episode 26. Derek Brandeo, General Nick, Sammy McKee, and the man beside me going two for two on the weekend. I got a couple of hockey guesses right. Woo! I was speaking of your prediction of the Leafs going 2-0. and Mm-hmm. And the teacher strike is over. Oh, glory days. That, that may be better for you than anything that the Leafs could have done this weekend. Oh, just, just the best thing in the world. I'm the happiest radio <laughs> host in Toronto. Love my kids hey, and all. <laughs> don't care about it. The, the specifics of the deal. No, that's such a good point. Right? I should probably care about more of the details maybe, here. But maybe a little bit. Maybe a little maybe uh, self-focused here. Too much of the taxpayers' money going out. Not enough. <sighs> Who cares? Yep. That's the, the last one. The last one. Who cares? Tune into City News 680 for all your details. Yeah. All right. The air out of the balloon. I know. The Leafs. The Leafs. A little bit. All of it. We good you now? Go Sammy, you're okay? Like Points. And totally redeem yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was uh, from where? Dumb, Dumb and Dumber. Dumber yeah. See, I, I got it. I got it. The Leafs perfect on the weekend as far as points are concerned. Mm -hmm. Can't get them against teams like Arizona. Nope. Don't but we them. sure can bank them <laughs> against the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. So, uh, JB, let's start with you. Big picture stuff. What did this weekend mean to you moving forward for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, I think... What it meant to me, it probably also meant to the Leafs themselves, is a bit of relief just to see that they can play the way that we thought they could play going into the season. You know, we, we all talked this Leafs team up before game one more than I think we we did last season at all. Sam, we had them to win the cup. You and I thought they were division, know, division champions, or division at least that champions. good. And this was a, a relief that we weren't all insanely wrong about the ability of this group who looked to me like the team I expected to see more of this season. How about you, Kipper? So, well, I just want to go to Sammy first yep. and, and just say Sammy is uh, mm. our, our super fan on the weekend. Mm. It did play like we thought it would play before the season started where you get big performances out of Austin Matthews on the weekend with his two goals and then a Tavares, Marner, Nylander, game breakers, difference makers, at least on the score sheet last mm -hmm. night. I'm just a little bit frustrated in terms of watching this team. Look I, at that. We they give You him, and I are all roses they, and lollipops here. And he is the guy coming in <laughs> well, going, uh, why? Uh, I, I, I did not expect that out of Sammy. I to, we to do start. not agree. I just, Curveball. like, why does it take this? Why does it have to? be against the Boston Bruins for them to play as hard as they played on Saturday night. Is that, that's as, is that's that, as hard is as that I'm, it? That's I, the only thing? Well, I, so you're I, okay with how they looked, how they came across? On Saturday night, they I think there's a lot to be said about the Bruins, and we'll probably say it here, but they looked like they're at the end of a road trip a little bit at the end of their, I think it was a five-gamer or whatever, but they skated them into the ice. They, they, we can talk about what Keith said, but he, they set the tone. They were the, they were the aggressors. They were hard on pucks, winning every battle. Like, I didn't recognize them. It felt like it was game one of a playoff series of how hard they were playing. Like, I was just blown away by it after watching 10 games of dog crap, quite frankly. <laughs> how hard was why it? Why are you so pissy? I just, I don't understand why. 
it's just frustrating because I've crapped on this team for 10 games. Did, yeah. did you and see, I just feel like an idiot because they play like that. It's a hard team to analyze because you never know what you're going to get. Right. Did yeah. you see complete domination Saturday night that Sammy kind of is leaning towards? You know, I, I didn't. didn't. Okay, let's let's have your take I before I uh, go go back again. What, what were your thoughts? What are your takeaways? Well, I, I do agree with Sammy a little bit that this was coming off of a team uh, that, that – Played terrific hockey uh, on Thursday and a level at the end of a road trip where probably it was just not meant. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought Pasternak had a very quiet game. He had a couple of Grade A opportunities, and we saw a puck blow up on him. Yeah, in a right good in spot the middle there, of, a, eh? of the slot. And yep. those are those are moments that we we aren't necessarily accustomed to seeing against the Boston Bruins. And I, you know, we'll get into this. And this is kind of like a a carryover of I think what was a very emotional twenty four hours for the Boston Bruins on that Mitch Miller scenario that we will get into a little later on yeah. in the show. But I thought they dragged that 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 into Saturday night as well. Mm-hmm. I, they don't they didn't look nearly as focused as we've seen all season long. And you know, good on the Leafs for taking advantage yeah. of that. But I I didn't necessarily see. Uh, a, a team that dominated Saturday night. You know, I think part of what I liked from the Leafs game, though, is, again, we talk about expectations and how it frames everything. Like, they seem to be able to remain patient against Boston. Like, when they weren't scoring and they weren't running away with the game against the lesser teams, you and I have talked about them cheating. They get on the wrong sides. They're sniffing for breakaways. And all of a sudden, uh-oh, one goes the other way. I thought because they respect Boston, they were able to just kind of stay in the game and be content that they weren't losing for a while and just wait for for the opportunities to come. And to me, that's when they're at their best. Well, four straight regular season wins over the Boston. That's the that's what I life. saw on the opposite side as well uh, last night against Sunday, Carolina for sure. Where first half of the game, I, I Leafs could not hanging play on. against Carolina. They were hanging on. They could not play against Carolina, and. How often against a, a, a top team do you get outplayed for 25 minutes maybe, give up, in my estimation, a, a minor league goal? Yeah. Yeah, good point. Right? Grant, yep. Give up a minor league goal to start the game, don't play well for the first 20, and then Find it. Stay, stay in the game. Yeah. Like be within one shot. And and hope that your game breakers can find it, which they did. Yeah, and that's the thing is that they have these guys. So if they could do that better, well, exactly what you're talking about, where the game's not working for you right now, but you're only down one to Carolina. And I think the temptation for some teams would be, in the least in the past, against lesser teams to go, okay, well we got to go find one, like or we're losing. And then they, you know, they get all out of sorts. But to your point, it was just. Stuck around. They got the yeah. guys who can do it. Find a moment. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, one or two go in because they got players. And, hey, we might be able to get away with one. They started to play better, and they found their legs a bit more. Yeah, I just – I was incredibly, incredibly impressed with with Saturday night. Like, last night to me was much more of a of a luck factor and Keith pulling the right strings and putting guys in the right spots and getting a spark from the line juggle. But in terms of – I can't remember the Leafs in the last couple of years playing as good as they played on the Saturday – like, even in the playoff games. Yeah, I didn't see it. What do you like? Yeah. It, well, that's just vintage Kipper. Like, oh, they played great against a bad <laughs> no. team, and the other team sucked. Like, I, that's all. It's all the other team sucked. I, the other team sucked because the I Leafs played it. harder that than they've ever played. Too, yeah, 
for and, sure. And that that to me is the biggest difference for for me on on a sixty thousand feet look yeah. from above. Is they just played harder this weekend? They just competed. That's harder. what I mean. Yeah, they and did. That's, that, that's a good sign. Might question where you've been for ten games, eleven games, but that's water under the bridge. If if they can maintain that, in I don't know intensity from from lesser players mm-hmm. like Mulgan, who was terrific. Yep, Sunday. Like, he competed hard. Oh, yeah. That's the hardest I've ever seen him compete. I would say in a game that was really boring. Like, so like a, the first little bit, nothing was happening either way for a long time. Every time Mulligan uh, was involved, it felt like there was a jolt of electricity. Uh, and that's something the Leafs haven't seen down their lineup much this year. All right, it's Monday, which means a brand new set of Kipper Clippers. Yes. And I think we will get a, a hint of... A relieved Sheldon Keefe after Sunday. What do we have, Sammy? Our first one's on uh, the response of the weekend from Sheldon Keefe. Let's hear it. I think lots, you know. I mean, that's what we talked about going into this week is let's just get better a day at a time. You know, um, you know, the results that we've gotten obviously are very positive, but we're also we've just been focused on our game and trying to play well give ourselves chances to win games, not beat ourselves, like all those things. And, and that's what that's really what we've done, and it's given us a chance to win every game that we've been in. we played in some really close games here this weekend against very good teams. And to come out on the right side of it certainly helps, uh, you know, the, the, the swagger of the group, and that was important to get back. Um, you know, it's, it's a long season. A lot of things can happen. That's why we've remained confident in our group despite, you know, the, the road trip not going well. We went out west, but... Uh, you know, I love the response of our group uh, all through the week and certainly here tonight in difficult circumstances. I think he nailed it. That it's it's a positive step. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like he's doing backflips anytime soon, but he, we said it going into the weekend, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Well, that was it. And again, why I said I felt relief off the top is because it's nice to know that is there for this team. You know, the... You know, when we had been waiting for this to happen, what we had seen was a lot of, like, no pulse. I used the word defibrillator several times about this team, and this was a response. He talked about taking it to them and establishing the pace. I know you don't necessarily think well, they established the pace, but they they brought something they hadn't in terms yeah. of energy. And, Keith, I don't know which day it was he talked about it. I think it was maybe before the Flyers game saying that he had faith in the fact that they played had a poor start last year and they, they would get up for big games and he had faith for it. We were all kind of like, well, we'll see. We'll see. And he was right, to be honest. He thought that they would and they did. That's so, like an indictment and a compliment of the group at the same for sure. time. So I guess the question is now with Keith is this kind of just takes some pressure off of him. The trots conversation gets a little quieter. Like it must it help. It does, but don't you feel like much if, long. You, if you couldn't like inspire this team, isn't that partially it's like, okay, we could... Yeah, we just we couldn't find a way to motivate the guys for those games. It's like, isn't that you? I was going to say it's quieter, the, but yeah. it hasn't gone away. Right. The, the one thing I will say with that is that it's it, you know that the whole thing about trots and you know whether or not they need a major change. It's it's been tucked away a little bit, or it, mm-hmm. but it's it's within an arm's length for a lot of people still. I don't think the weekend completely buried it. Right. It's. It's now a continuation of the follow-up and, and what you see. And 
Yeah, they tank four in a row, and we're right back where we were. Yeah. I, I don't know. What do they have this week? They got uh, Vegas, they got Vegas Pittsburgh, Pitt, and, Vancouver. and Vancouver on Saturday. Like, this is this is still two two or three games away from getting pulled right back into the forefront. The harder part, I would imagine, mm-hmm. if you're Brendan and MLSE, is that I think you have to make a decision on Kyle whether you're extending him or not. I, I do, and I, and I think that these games, these outcomes lead up to a, a deadline that's what? Wait, wait, I'm sorry, where's that deadline? I don't know. Everyone's saying American Thanksgiving. Is there, are they not? Is there Christmas oh, or? You think, you think in another week and a half, Kyle Dubas will have a uh, enough bullets to go in there and, and fire that one off? I want an extension. No, but I do think if they don't extend him by call it Christmas then then you've already made your decision on them, and how do you let them make major moves? I don't, how, how, how did you not play this whole scenario out prior to the season if you're Brendan Shanahan? I think they did, and they said, let's see how it's going fairly early. Okay, and fairly early, it's stunk up until this weekend. Right, but I think fairly early doesn't mean four games or 14 games, yeah, but it I, probably does mean 25 games. I think 25 games could get you fired, but 25 games cannot get you an extension. Well, wow. can 35? You know, like at some point, don't they have to yeah. make a call? Anyway, no, you made anyway, a call. Have that conversation. No, you, you did make a call. You to didn't me, do to it. me, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a huge call to leave your general manager hanging without a contract. It is a call. It's. It looks like backpedaling right now. If you were to, if he was to get a contract now within a week, it would look like I could see you made a mistake. You didn't have the guts to see this thing out. No, I could see the summer of them saying, "Listen, Kyle, if we go into the season and we don't look any better than last year, or we or we're going backwards, how can we possibly extend you? We want to go into the year and see how this goes before we we give you yeah. another contract. And I, if it's going I, well, did, then Kyle can say, "Didn't we say? Didn't didn't." Wasn't the the feeling right off the bat that even if Kyle makes the playoffs and loses in the first round, he's done? Sure, but would signing him to a short extension preclude them from still doing that if they went into the first round? And or then what are you doing it for? Just to be a good guy and give him his Opti- family a nice show, little yeah, well, to show safety net? faith that you're going to be here and we trust you to make these moves. Then you should have done it before this season uh, and avoided all of this. Yeah. Optics, optics, little PR, little public relations. Anyways, I don't know. Those might be bad optics, Sam. If you give him an extension and you're in January, or February, and it doesn't look good, are you like? What's the timeline? I just think question. that if yeah. if you went, if you if you made the commitment to not give him an extension, mm-hmm. it's because you're saying something to him. What was that something said? That you're operating without a safety net. That it's now it's this yeah. now or never's for real. All or nothing. Okay. This is the real. But if season. you have a good stretch of five or seven games, it could change our minds. A good stretch of twenty-five games. Yeah. Okay, so two, and. 23 to go? I don't know. No, I mean, like, into the season, 25 total. You know, right now there's seven, four, and two. Before the trade deadline. So, hold on. What you're saying right now is you don't believe at any point that there would be a good enough record where they I would extend the GM. I th- I think it would have to, they'd have to really be cooking, really humming, yeah. really be at a place where you're 
Yeah, this team, I could see uh, this team now being in a position where we are comfortable. Okay. So let me ask you this. Okay, you big wins against perceived top teams in the in the league. For sure. Did you see when you factor it all in, mm-hmm. everything, including Carolina, you know, what's Carolina's record today? They had two losses. They were eight, two, and one going into that eight, game. Eight, two, and one. Now they're and, eight, three, and one. And uh I think seven or eight games they've been on the road. Have uh, they, yeah. 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 So I mean Maybe it may be a little bit of a factor on, on why they were not sharp or as focused as they should have been around the net. But when you factor everything in, did you see enough, Sammy, this weekend to say that the Leafs could beat, say, Carolina in a best of seven? I think, I mean, that's such a hard question. But no, it's just looking at the rosters and, and getting a feel Absolutely for... Absolutely, I saw enough. For sure. Like, I think they would, I don't know if they could beat them, but it would be a good series, seven games. I don't games. know if they would. Here's the thing. They're good enough to lose in seven games to Carolina. <laughs> How about that? I don't, See, like, that's, that's that deco- not a good that, answer that, for me. That, that Carolina decor is massive. Every man on They're that giants. defensive core is just a mountain of a man. That Brent Burns, Slavin, like, everybody. They were just big. They, they didn't even, they, they couldn't put them away. Yesterday, they couldn't. They had every opportunity to put them away. I they don't couldn't think they hit. Did. They barely got chances. They the, couldn't hit the side of a barn. That's old Shulgren well, got away with a few little blockers. I, I, yeah, he said. I don't know how many times they came flying down off the wing and missed low blocker by a fraction, and the and Shulgren, Shulgren reacted when the puck hit the end boards, basically. So they they definitely dodged a few bullets. But I mean, Borny said it to me when we got here. That's the exact way you win on a second half of a back-to-back against a good team. You get some breaks. You have yeah, your superstars show up. Pump them while they're so. Can we yeah. can we talk about the the line juggling? Yes. Mid game. Yeah. Which Be- was a good move by Sheldon I, because they were stuck in the mud a little bit. I, I think we as hard as we've been on Sheldon um, over the past however much however two weeks three weeks. I think you have to give him a lot of credit for that game last night because he pulled the right strings. Agreed. Let's have a listen on uh, how he handled that. Well, tonight it was more a reflection of how I felt the game, how I felt about the game, rather than how I felt about the lines necessarily. I just felt that it was one of those games where we were fine. We're, it's a one nothing game, but not a lot was happening for us. So I just thought, you know, maybe changing things up a little bit will get the guys' attention and, and change the chemistry, and that in itself might uh, spark something. And, and also at the same time, it throws off some matchups for the opposition a little bit. Too. They have a plan going in, and obviously the plan was going pretty pretty well for them. So changing the lines, um, you know, now they have to make some decisions. They got out of rhythm a little bit. So those are, that's what I was looking for in terms of what we'll do going forward. Got a, a nice flight and a day off tomorrow to think about that. You know, if we're going to give, uh, you know, pile-on coaches for losing and games not going well, I give Sheldon a lot of credit for that line jumble, not because of their own guys, but because it, it messed up the matchups for Carolina. Carolina's at home. They've got a plan against Toronto, and that messed it up. You could see the game changed after they changed the lines. It was immediate. Yes. Like, it was like in, a clear within, turning point in the within game. Within five, like not even five I minutes, think it's it changed. just uh, another example of how sometimes players can get a little frustrated, a little stuck, and that's when you look over your shoulder and you need to have the confidence in your mm-hmm. coach to say, he's going to help me a little bit. He's going to maybe make a couple of adjustments. Yeah. I, I think that's a prime example of how, how coaching can influence 
a game. Yeah. I also wonder if there's not something to the idea that the Leafs are better served with a different-looking lineup at home and on the road. At home, Matthews and Marner, you get your matchups. Tavares Nylander, fine. On the road, there's almost something to trying to have three lines or some different look lines so teams don't really know how to defend against you. I also thought it was interesting. Marner and uh, Tavares hook up. Great pass from Marner. Just awful pass from Robertson. It was awful. Like, just <laughs> terrible. Can't give a good player a bad pass, boys. Right. Yeah, it's so true. Marner pulls it through, hits Tavares, primary assist. You know how many he has to Matthews this season? Goose egg. Zero primary assist to Matthews. Him and Tavares, click, click. I don't know. It's nice to have that option that those two well, have such chemistry. It's, you, hey, it might be a reason you're spending half your salary cap on four forwards. They, yeah, you're right. They break open games like that where you're kind of stuck. That's what it's all about, boys. You just yeah. hope that the rest of them can kind of hold in there until your big boys can be difference makers. For sure. So do you think, because the question was asked, I think it was Alter that asked the question at the press conference there after the game, if this is something that you're going to go forward with as opposed to a one-game thing, and what would you do? Would you leave it like they had it last night, or would you go back to status quo heading into Vegas? Oh, into Toronto against Vegas. See, I, I think the switching of the lines helped in that game and got them better matchups and was good. But if they believe that Marner and Matthews are the thing they're gonna, they want to do, I don't think there's any shame in going back to that. I don't know. I don't think they need to keep I, If you can sit here and guess whether or not that Matthews and Marner uh, once again will struggle or they could, it could be the game where it just lights up. Mm-hmm. It's... It's an educated guess at best. Yeah, you don't want to miss so those So even games. if you went back, it's nice to know that you can you can go to that at any time or you can start like that. To me, it's not it's not that big of a deal. It's uh, flip a coin yeah. on those type of guys. And come on, I mean, you don't think Tavares is sitting there licking his chops? Oh, yeah, he's like, oh, we're shuffling the lines? Well, he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was saying this right? morning, if you're bunting and they throw you over the boards with... Engvall and Yarncroc, and you score, you're like, come on. <laughs> like, no, I don't want this to work. I don't want the coach to think well, this is good. Um, I thought, though, on Saturday night, although they didn't score a goal, uh, that Tavares, Nylander, and Kerfoot were dynamite. And I just to my eye, they looked really good together, and apparently the fancies back it up that they were really dominant. Yeah. Statistically, they had they gave up zero goals against, expected goals against. They were dominant like, in every number. So, to me... It is tempting because of how good it looked in that that time there with the when you're jumbling things up. But I think you just go back to what it was and then see how it goes in the game. So Keith shuffles the lines up, puts everyone in a blender, new lines. He doesn't change up. Uh, Malgan, Kempf, and Zach Aston Reese keeps them as a unit based on what he saw. Uh, I think early results in that game and the game before. You mentioned Malgan. Uh, any sort of different opinion? After a weekend like that. Yeah, he just tried harder. It just looked <laughs> like he was more engaged. Yeah. And as we've said this with Nick Robertson as well, it's what do you look like when you're not scoring? What do you look like when the numbers aren't there to support you? What would you say? Are you being noticed? Are you getting some quality looks, some chances? Are you uh, around the puck? Mm-hmm. And Mulligan had that type of game. Yeah. Where he's in my screen. Yeah.
So that line over the two games had uh, 19 shot attempts, four and three against over the two games. So they were, I mean, beyond dominant in terms of shooting attempts. You know, my thoughts on Mulligan are, are, are different, but not entirely different. They're different in that this is a guy who can play in the league. And there's some nights he might be the best player on the rink. Could be five times all year. Yeah, I don't know about that. If he's the best player, on the, then you got big problems. You do. But with that, even as good as I thought he was, it's tough to imagine a world where your fourth line has Dennis Mulgan on it in playoffs. Well, this is playoffs. just it. it, it like, I, I look at some of these guys, and Mulgan to me is it's a bit of a project. Oh, there's no doubt it's a project. Okay. And one they is badly it, it, want to work it, out. And for the you GM. don't you don't have any other choice. But I'm not feeling good, you know, if if I need this project to really turn out well. And yeah, maybe it's taken them a little bit of time to kind of get it. And if you have more looks like like on the weekend than you had in the first ten games, then there's no reason why not to continue with the project. But I'm in a win-now mode, and I know one thing for certain that Mulgan and our producer, Sammy, have played the same amount of playoff games. Playoffs? Like the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, how do, you, how do you now go into a... Not only do we have to win a round here, we got we to gotta try to win a Stanley Cup with an inexperienced Mulgan from Switzerland. Well, and that's so hard. It's so hard to see because you can't... To me, he can't go in the top six because you got Matthews and Marner. They're doing the offense. You're not going to forecheck for them. That's not, you don't need you there. William Nylander, Tavares, Mulgan is a defensive nightmare. Not doing that. So you got him in the bottom six. You're going to be playing bigger, heavier teams against the best teams in the league. I understand they just played a very good team. But it's tough to see the role for him because when he's not looking like he did last night, he's often getting out-muscled. He doesn't stop and start a lot. Like, he's not... I don't know, it's just tough for me to... But I did this with Lilligren last year, too, and I came around on Lilligren while still saying I didn't think he'd be a playoff factor, and he didn't get get in to know. But anyway, so I'm kind of going... Let's hear what they had to say about Mulligan and the fourth line. Let's hear Sheldon Keefe on that. Those guys were excellent. I thought Dennis Mulligan was our best player through, through much of the hockey game. Uh, one of the only guys really hanging on to the puck and really challenging the inside and making things happen. Um... So that line was really good. It's a few games in a row now that that line's been really both responsible but also dangerous at the same time. I think you know, Malkin's inclusion on that group gives it that element. Uh, so those guys, were obviously that's the one line I, I kept the same because uh, I thought they were doing good things. And uh, it's a really positive thing for us. Really, really happy uh, for Dennis. Like, when you think about now trying to win a best of seven or two or three or four to win a Stanley Cup. Coleman's, I think of Coleman's, I think of Goodrow's. Just think of the pace of that Tampa game seven last year when Nick Paul scored twice and, you know, the difference he made. Uh, Lekkonen. Yeah. For Colorado. Guys like that in your third and fourth line. Can can the Leafs, who's going to be the Leafs' Lekkonen by by the start of the playoffs? Was it Yarny? Could, Could it be... Is it Yarncrock? Is it Mulgan? Is it Aston Reese? Who, who, how do you win 
How do you win rounds without those type of guys? Well, you need some scoring from your bottom six, like just some. Doesn't but they're heavy be... guys that get to the net, that lean, that wear opponents that, I think that's down. my point with Nick Paul is Nick Paul is a monster of a guy, right? And you think about guys hanging on him as he kind of goes where he wants and, you know, get those gritty type of playoff goals. It's super rare, you know, I, I think in those big games, 6-7, that you get guys like Mulgan that make the difference, Rich, not saying they can't. Don't you think that their bottom six will maybe look a little different after the trade deadline and but heading in? But I think in? that's the point here is that it will. If it does, though, then then you're back to where you were in the last two or three times. For me, you, you, you start building a fourth line in November, December. I, I think this is it, guys. I really do believe that... You don't piecemeal it at the trade deadline and, and and trade for another guy that could cost you another draft pick that's on an expiring contract. And they've done, they've gone down that path before. And it has not worked. For me, it's developing a fourth line in November, December. I, I think this is it. My question is, can Mulligan now up his game to the point where he can he can beat a, a bottom four guy that plays every other night and that sometimes is tough to play against. Well, he's playing with Camp, who was really good in the playoffs for the Leafs. Which well, Camp, yeah. Camp is a playoff-type guy who's a guy that's rangy, defensive center that can make good plays for you. And shot, didn't he score three times against, against think, the Lightning? Yeah, Camp and Zach Aston-Reese are, like, two of the better but, defensive forwards in the league. Like, that may free up Mulligan to just continue to be this guy. So To just not worry about that Can I ask you about go. Zach Aston-Reese? Yeah, he had th- three hits credited to him in that in that game. I, <laughs> Which game? He, last night he had three hits. It's like, does he does he really hit? Like everybody told me that this guy runs guys and he hits no. guys. It's like I don't there, feel like that. Yeah, there's, there's he's no, a hockey player. That, that's yeah. not a. That's not a. Uh, yeah, there's no presence with his physical game. Is that yeah. what you're asking me? Well, yeah, I'm just like, I'm confused I used to as body to check people yes. too, to make my coaches happy, but it didn't affect anyone's day. But I just think that that's him. This fourth, <laughs> their fourth line. Oh, I would have loved to play against <laughs> yeah, you. You would have. You'd eat me alive. This thing seems like it, they could give it some run here and maybe see if this is they found something with these with these three guys together. Like I, I think it's good enough here that you kind of stick with it for a while. No, I don't see how you don't after what you saw. I don't think there's much choice. Uh, well, Simmons is your kinda... choice, or Engvall on that no, line. No, where Mulligan is. Uh, yeah, Simmons is like your last choice. No, he's the next guy because that's your only but choice. But that's not your first choice. Your first choice was to put him on waivers or trade him. And Oh, yeah, he was available uh, to him, the league. Wish and now, him the very best. Now, Abe Kubel, who got, I don't know, 38 minutes of ice time with the Leafs before they were like, bye. And he got claimed by uh, the Caps. Which I don't know what the Leafs would have done if he didn't get claimed. They had to sign Petrozelli mid-game and had a contract available because Abe Kubel got claimed. Oh, yeah. By the way, have we mentioned the goalies yet? Oh, the goalies. Can we, uh, yeah, let's give Shalgren some love here because, uh, come on. Uh, when it's all said and done, he made one more save better than <laughs> Freddie Anderson last night. Yeah, I guess. No? You No credit? No, he not no credit. You're right. He stopped pucks. He got the win. He, he was he was certainly in the way yeah, of some pucks. He got in the way enough. <laughs> yeah. I guess they hit him okay, with so, it. So you beat Carolina, giving up a a crappy goal and can't get and, any love. And and uh, uh, a, a horrible first period. And Shalgren's the guy that. 
gets the win, and uh, there's just nothing there, eh? I, I'll give him a little. Sure. What, does Sheldon say nice things? Let's have Sheldon say nice things. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Again, I thought that the team protected him really well. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if they really break it down you know, in terms of true scoring chances. I don't know how many you would say that they had. We didn't have a lot either, but, you know, if they had five really good looks at the net, I think that, you know, that would, if they had more than that, it wouldn't be many. Um, but a lot of activity, right? A lot of point shots, a lot of traffic, a lot of that kind of stuff where pucks are flinging at the net, and I thought he was solid there. There was, you know, a couple of real strong pushes early in the third period by Carolina, and he was really solid there. So it's a good win for him. It's, you know, he's he's done well for us. He's beaten this Carolina team uh, in, you know, before last season. So I think sure he had that confidence coming in. And let's throw in Geo blocking everything that he humanly possibly could. Guys are just could. selling out, big, just stacking oh pads out there. Big week for Geo, love, in this yeah, city. Like, honestly. Oh, yeah. K? Okay. I'm not yeah. sure what's going to be left of him by no, March. <laughs> our thir- our soon-to-be 40-year-old defenseman. The deep, the deep <laughs> pairs you, you look might, so much better. You, you might want to kind of help him out a little bit on a few occasions here. For sure. I actually, before, to make sure we fit it in, I do want to give Lily some well, love. We should talk about the goalies. Okay. Well, what, what do you want to say? What the hell are they going to do here, boys? Oh, that. Nothing. Nothing. They don't have any choice. Nothing. So they're just Chagrin yeah. and Petrozelli until yeah, Murray comes back. For another back. two weeks, maybe. Well, it sounds like Murray's going to skate I'm, Tuesday morning at morning oh, yeah, skate. Yeah. He can <laughs> skate all he wants. If, if He's on the horizon. If Whatever the hell you, that you, means. Do, oh, you do not rush what he just went through. No. And you're nuts because you run now the risk of pulling a total Mrazic and see ya the yeah. rest of the year. And then you have clarity, clarity you, anyway. You need you need to you need to still rest him. And Samsonov's um, at least a week, according to Keith. The, the like Brad Marchandiest thing How is taking out week? the Leafs goalie and scoring in the same play. How can it be a week? It's at come on, at least a week, Kipper. You're, so another, come on, that's that, gonna that, be gonna be two that, to three for sure. That's that's a month. Like yeah. your knee pops as you go back. Something over happened or something, when right? he rolled go, over. Yeah. Boy, he bit hard on that pump fake. <laughs> That's the most I've ever seen a goalie teat out of his jock strap, I think. God, he's silky with that back. He hurt end. himself. Brad Marchand is unbelievable. He, oh, yeah. That he is hurt a, himself. That's some level of shame when you cross a guy over so bad that he actually breaks he his gets, ankle. He gets a lot of goalies at that move, though. That It's really silky. I, he might be the best in the league. It's, his seventh, that. it's a seventh shootout goal, second all time. I got to think that there they. I'm they, oh, sorry, penalty shot. They, there's no help coming out of. Samsonov and How could Murray be? for another at least two weeks. Well, that, no, wow. Two weeks. I mean, yeah. No, I, I think you're right because looking at their injuries and their timelines, I can't see how it's not. So did they put Samsonov on yep, IR? They did. they did put him on IR. So so this Saturday night, it's Keith Petrozelli against the Vancouver no. Canucks. I don't know. On, on Hockey Night in Canada, you think they're going to put Petrozelli in? Well, it's the Hall of Fame game on Friday versus the Penguins and then Hockey Night in Canada versus the... the uh, so you need two goalies this weekend. So either you're going to play this kid, which I want to give credit to that video the Marlies tweeted out of him getting the contract and everybody putting the water on it. Love or my heart day. a little bit. Love or my cold, stuff. dark heart. It really was nice. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Can you play him? Well, so Petrozelli, amazing uh, college stats at Quinnipiac. He goes to the ECHL, best goal at one of these. He's an all-star, 927. Marlies this year, six games. He's a 920 or 922, I think. He's six foot five. He's twenty three years old. Sounds like he can get in the way just as well did, as Shalgren. Did you know he's the tallest guy in the team and the lightest guy in the team? 
He is built like an actual birch he's, tree. He's just like beanstalk. A whole trunk. He could, could tread water in a test tube. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, bad? Yeah. 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 Looks like me in high school. Listen, he's come a long way. Good for him. For sure. But, but, but this is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there's and just no world. Time and, there's no world in where they go out of organization. I how? Know. Like I just I, I'm yeah. not being like no, skeptical. Like I'm why do you think that? But I just like I'm saying like, like how? How do you do it? How? There's someone somebody, goes on waivers and. I know we're gonna get into a little Jack Campbell later on oh, in the show, but someone said bring wrote in a, a blog today that said bring him back. Imagine you get the Oilers to retain two million <laughs> a year, <laughs> bring Jack back at three per. Uh, I'd rather have Petrozelli every game until the end of the year. Yeah, all right, we won't go there just yet. Uh, yeah, just move on. Here's, here's <laughs> one question. Here, we're gonna go to break soon, but okay, Austin still isn't Austin after the weekend. Fair comment or not fair? Fair comment. Fair comment. I thought he looked the best. He's still. Like, there's not that extra gear yet. Yeah. He, and he showed I also it think, as soon as he was, I thought, in the second half of that game, he was digging out pucks way harder. He looked way more dynamic to me in the second half of that game when he got... Of Carolina yes. or Boston? Yeah. Yes. I mean, he scored two goals on in against Boston, but I didn't yeah. really think he looked outside of that. I mean, I know, he scored two I, goals in the NHL. I, he didn't look great. I can hear people being like, yeah, he scores twice. What do you want from him? But yeah, it's it's about... More than that. Him and Marner statistically have not been where they were in the second half last year where they were just rolling over the league. And they're it's a slow start for these guys. Got to so. kick in at some point. They got to go on it a is. run. Yes. And I think it will. It's going to happen at some point. It's a smart thing to bet on happening. These guys are supremely talented. I think they were voted the first center in the league and the first right winger in the National League. It's a good league. They're good players. They were voted? Yeah. Over Connor McDavid? The guy who won the Hart Trophy was voted over Connor nah. McDavid, yes. Well, you know what, Let's on that, let's throw it to Keefe on Matthews from Saturday night. He's just stayed with it. I mean, I don't think there's been anything real different. It's just he's going to those spots. If you look where he scored both both his goals tonight, those are, A, uh, areas that I don't think he had gotten to at enough, yet he had been getting there and he'd been missing some of those, but which were, you know, virtual tap-ins that were, hadn't fallen for him. Um, but he just continued to go there, continued to work. I thought both both sides of the puck today. Without the puck, he he worked just as hard as he did on offense. Uh, I thought all of our guys today were had absolute commitment defensively. Um, but yeah, it's you know, in a game like this, offense is hard to come by. You need your your big boys to step up, and Austin to get two. I mean, big time play by Willie Nylander on the second goal too. Let's not overlook that. But uh, that's what you need. And then guys guys played hard and defended. Hey, it's it's all about the game sheet, right? <laughs> I guess you put it in the net and they win. Coach is happy. But that that quote about him not necessarily being in those areas is pretty telling to me. It is, and there was articles and commentary on his like uh, heat map of shots had like a big circle in front of the net. He he wasn't getting them from dangerous areas. So. It just sometimes it's I don't recall pucks. Blowing up on him, his stick last year. The whole year. thing has been like, you know, he has like a magnet in his stick. The puck never leaves it. And mm-hmm. you're right. This year it hasn't seemed as, no. you know what, it, it, he's at his well, best. It's a bit of a hot takeaways. potato for him. But like when he's at his best, it's like that hot potato. You're right. It's off someone else's stick and it's his. Yes. And it's calm and we're going the other way. It just, we're not, it's not quite there. It's sweating out his summer fun still. I don't know. Um, Just quick shout out to Freddie Anderson, boys. 
gave you, just say it. Say well, you, listen, I did enough on Leafs Talk last night where I went on a long diatribe about you're like it. like a goalie. Thanks for killer. watching. I, Jack. I don't know. Any, any goalie that leaves town, no, I just don't like you goalies. put like a voodoo spell on he them. He's not in not relationships go- wishing his ex I'm not a well. goalie guy at all. They, they just they wish they just so didn't what, have to talk about him. But what, what kind of look on your face when uh, when the Nylander goal went in? That is vintage, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> the Leafs are the Leafs were getting their doors blown off at that moment of the game. They were in mud. They were getting caved in. The puck goes down the other way. Great play by Nylander. Willie strip. deserves credit for pounding that puck. Strip slave, and it was a great play. But then just the classic backbreaker at a big point of the game. Just vintage, vintage stuff. So, just want to make sure I got that. In I there. do want to talk Lilligren at some point too, and how he changed the. Decor. You want to do it now, or you want to say the, the very uh, quick point is yeah. just that it allows the Leafs to get other decors that make oh, sense. I thought it was a, a yeah. It's, a, it's Colin it, Brody works. It completely revamped. Yeah. One yeah. right-handed guy like that coming in, and it just alleviates pressure off of everyone including hull when you have that spot in your lineup whether it's mete or you know uh crawl or whoever like you're constantly trying to like get the right guys out and shift in your pairs this was just you had three pairs that worked yes the team looked better as a result now we're back to that a conversation before the season they're just one defenseman away from yeah you're right <laughs> uh Still one turning guy. turning the uh the perception of that blue line around and they have some do it and they have some cap space Oh, yeah, they're looking. They're looking. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Craig Simpson, former NHLer, Stanley Cup champion, Hockey Night in Canada analyst, and a good friend of the show. Coming up after the break, he'll break down what we saw on the weekend from the Toronto Maple Leafs. That and more after the break. Real Kipper and Born. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now, Craig Simpson. Now, Simmer, this isn't a Toronto Maple Leaf question. This is just a a general Canadian question. How much more enjoyable is your life when Canadian teams are doing well and winning than it is when they suck? (laughs) Yeah, no question there's a direct correlation, isn't there? And, uh, you know, when you have one pretty much every night and often two of them in a game – Hey, it's like anything. If if you're around the game, you know that there's just there's winning and misery. That's about it. You know that's the old saying that we had. uh, I know for years, and especially from a coaching standpoint, and I think it's pretty clear, isn't it? When things are going well, it's uh, just you're picking at things and finding something to talk about. But man, as soon as there's a blip, it's uh, it's on every single uh, everyone's lips, and everybody's got an opinion about it. Uh, and as, as far as the, the the pressure coming in, uh, we ended last week's uh, shows saying that outside of maybe a, a game seven, uh, I can't recall so much pressure on this particular group, uh, their leaders, the management team had going into this weekend and sure enough four points is four points it might have not looked absolutely perfect but right they got the job done yeah and I, I think you're always searching for those moments uh in early in the season especially this sort of 
you know, galvanize the guys. And everybody in that room knew that, you know, everything's on the edge. Everybody's a little bit uptight. Uh, things could go south pretty quickly. And uh, I, I think sometimes you do need, you look at your schedule and at times you say, oh man, that might be a tough weekend. And I, I think you've seen it with the Leafs, but you've probably lived it too, is sometimes that's the best thing that can happen to you. It gets your attention to detail. You're afraid to be embarrassed. You're against a good team. I thought that Boston game, of all the games I've done this year, I kept looking at Chris and I go, well, this is the kind of pace anyways in the play and the intensity that really hasn't been there consistently. But you could tell it was a big game. And because it was Boston and because Boston had such a great start and Leafs were on the edge, uh, I just thought what it does, obviously, is bring out the best in the players and bring out the intensity. And I just don't think on a consistent basis early – they just hadn't had that, let's face it, that work ethic and intensity in their game. And I think it really showed, even after a slow start last night, you know, they found a way to start to take over games. And I think that did come at a perfect time, and it came at a time that you knew everybody was a little bit anxious about what might happen if instead of those four points, you end up with none. Craig, I look at this year's Leafs team, um, just statistically anyway, they've had trouble scoring goals compared to previous years, and the whole reputation they had was this high-flying offensive team that could score but struggled defensively. They're a pretty good defensive team here when they've buckled down. They look like they did this past weekend. Is there something to maybe the veterans evolving and becoming more more attention to detail? What is it that you see in this team that seems to make them look now more defensive than they used to and maybe a bit less offensive? Well, I think it's always been a focal point. You know, that's something that's been stressed and preached uh, from the get-go is, listen, look around. Uh, you, You know, even as good a team offensively that Colorado was in winning, they were able to lock down those games when it was a tight game or a two-to-one battle in the playoffs. And you have to be able to deliver those kind of games. So I I think the messaging has always been that's something, uh, you know, that the Leafs have had at times trouble consistently with. You know, know, I live here in Edmonton. That's been on the radar for Edmonton for, you know, through Connor's whole time here. This team in Edmonton hasn't been able to play that tight lockdown defensive game. They're way too loose. And when you're not scoring, that's where you get into trouble. And I think the Leafs early on, the fact that they weren't getting the easy offense, the goals weren't coming easily, which a lot of times can, you know, masquerade the the other troubles you have. Uh, I think that sort of brought them down that, okay, we're not getting the four or five goals a game easily. So we better be uh, a lot more diligent. And, and last night's game was probably a good example of that. They, they stayed in a game, defensively that they they weren't really sharp in early on and then they got the key goals when they needed them to come out with the win simmer we saw sheldon keith make an adjustment uh, in his lineup uh, moving off marner and putting him with Tavares as someone that has played that role of a frontline player a top goal scorer i mean at, at times i'm sure you've loved playing with a guy but it's not clicking so how important is it and how how ultimately do you respond to that, um, you know, as a frontline guy? Yeah, I think the key is how you respond. You, you know, even uh, uh, even Michael Bunting getting bumped down the other day, he's not, you know, the, the high-end top guy like Marner, Matthews, and, and Nylander, but he didn't go and sulk. He went down and played hard and hit more than maybe he was even there, and that was the message being 
received and then the effort being sent and a game later you're back on the top line again but when you've got the option you know you, you like having the chemistry and the consistency with a guy that you have great chemistry with and you know I've had lucky enough here in Edmonton to for probably 90% of the time be with Messier and Anderson and we had great chemistry together we loved playing together but if you ever got a chance to go up and play with Gretzky, that wasn't really punishment. So, uh, you know, I, I look at the, the switch that he made. You're talking about Tavares, who's having an excellent start. You know, I just think you're looking for something different. And sometimes that, that's all it is. That Sometimes it's just a different feel, a different spark. And uh, it's not like you're putting a guy like Marner down on the fourth line playing with camp or anything. So I think those kind of adjustments are healthy. I don't think there's anything really wrong with them. But as you were mentioning, Nick, it's it's the way the guys respond to it that is key. And I, I think if I'm looking at that top two lines, you know, I'd be of the mindset of, you know, I don't care. I, I'll play on either one of those. You've right. got options. You've got great skill. And so I don't think it's a huge demotion. But I do think it was maybe just the right time because Sheldon had held off a number of times when those goals weren't coming. Uh, of splitting Marner and Matthews up and hey it's the right time and every now and then you make a little bit of a tweak and look at the outcome Tavares scores a huge goal and you know Nylander at the end of a long shift scores the insurance one playing with Matthews so I guess mission accomplished you know everything that they're doing you know exactly what you're talking about is looking at what are our options come playoffs how do we you know what's our optimal lineup in playoffs Right now, they got a great weekend out of Camp, Zach Aston Reese, and, and Malgan. Um, yep. You know, Keith, uh, Sheldon Keith highly praised Malgan. Do you see a scenario where that's possible to have a guy like Dennis Malgan on their third line and, or on their fourth line in playoffs and, and have it work for them? Yeah, I, I think it can. You know, again, going back to the last few years where, you know, Tampa prior to that, you've got guys who maybe aren't the most diligent all over. They, they might not be always the most physical or the most dangerous offensively, but I think what he's learned from being in and out of the lineup too is, okay, you can't have a drop-off. Like, Nylander could have a couple of games where maybe he's not playing all that hard and mm-hmm. he's not playing as well, but he might still get two or three goals during that time. I think what those guys all have to realize is just how important every shift is. And every shift is just about winning a battle and playing hard and not being a liability. And I, I think Mulligan's play maybe dipped a little bit. Maybe his confidence did a bit because, you know, you want to be the guy scoring goals, whereas I know Sheldon's looking and saying, hey, how many puck battles did you win? How many puck battles did you lose? Did you turn pucks over? And I think if you can get in that mindset, you get into a little rhythm about how you have to play. And ultimately... Typically, when you're playing better that way, the the offense ends up trickling in. And I think it's going to be critical that not only do that third and fourth line have to be solid defensively, but they have to be keep the momentum going. You know, I, I think that's I've been saying it sounding like a broken record in the earlier games where there just hasn't been that push. You know, you need third, fourth line having offensive zone, creating some havoc, and then the top lines jump out against the you know, one half of a D pair, two thirds of a line, they're tired, they're trapped, and that's how you score. So it's not always even about that, those lines scoring goals. It's about getting the momentum going, getting the energy in the right. game. And I, I thought the last three games 
have been the best of that that I've seen from the Leafs. And they've had a couple of different combinations on the other line, but I think that's really what's probably been a little frustrating for Sheldon that for the early part, he didn't really see a line that you look and say, yeah, this clicks, this works. And I think now he's starting to feel that way a little bit, at least with that line. We're talking to Craig Simpson, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet analyst for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Simmer, if we don't see Matt Murray or Samsonov for another two weeks. Are, are we going to see uh, Giordano and Lilligren try to block every possible every shot they shot can <laughs> before they trust what's behind them to stop it? Hey, you, you've seen it before, too. You know, sometimes, in the short run anyways, collectively, not just the key blockers and defenders on the back end, but I think everybody sort of pulls up their socks and says, man, we got to compete harder. We got to protect these guys. We got to put in, you know, a situation. Shalgren all of a sudden comes in. I don't know when Petrozelli is going to get his chance, but you say sometimes in the short run that can bring your team defensive game to a whole new level. But, you know, I, I think the veteran guys are definitely digging in to try to do that. Um, you know, amazingly, guys, it kind of was a blessing that Abe Kubel got picked up on waivers because the Leafs had 50 contracts prior to that time. They they mm-hmm. lost the contract in Abe Kubel, and that allowed them to at least sign a goaltender. I and mean, what would you have had to do? You would have had to uh, jettison a body to even sign a goaltender to have a backup. So, obviously, not ideal. God knows what's going to happen there. But you got to also give Shalgren some credit. You know, he's he's been a pretty good soldier for them. He's been a pretty good battler. And to go into uh, the game that he, you know, came in in the third period against Boston and he shut the door enough to, to get the win and then to go into Carolina, I mean, that's that's got to raise his uh, confidence to to the highest level he's had all year. You like the uh, the D pairs with the addition of uh, Timothy Lilligren coming in? Justin Hall seems to have had a decent run of play here for a guy who was booed at home not that long ago. Yeah, you know the 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 kind of pairs have been in flux, and I I, I think if you put the the truth lasso around the coaching staff, I mean that is the last thing you want to have to be thinking about going into a game of gosh, what pair do I want tonight, or you know can I keep these guys together? Can I trust them enough? So. I think you have to, again, every circumstance uh, uh, maybe lends itself to just trying and being a little bit more patient and giving guys a little bit more time. And you knew that, uh, I don't know, if you listen to Sheldon, he obviously likes Timothy Lilligren a lot. So I I think he's given Timothy a lot of confidence. He's talked him up uh, publicly, but he's probably propped him up as best he can, you know, preparing him to, to getting on the treadmill at 100 miles an hour. So I, I haven't minded them. And I, I think Justin does, <coughs> does need a little bit of a calming influence with him uh, to help and be a consistent, you know, guy who's always in the right space. And uh, Brody, you know, fits that bill extremely well. So I think for now it's been okay. I, I think as you go along, though, guys, I don't, I don't think anybody is looking at that pair or those three pairs and say, you know, that's a Stanley Cup championship pair, uh, three pairs. Uh, you know, there's a long way to go to then, and maybe you'll get some growth and development that we hadn't expected. But I do think it's definitely still something on their radar that they go, I, I don't think we're good enough in that spot, but uh, I haven't mind the way the pairings have played the last couple of games since Littlegren got in. 
No question, uh, Craig, that uh, Leaf fans are happy that the puck's going in the net for Austin Matthews. But as someone like you, as an ex-player who's played with some of the best players in the world, was there often a time when you were with a, a Mario or a Gretz or a Messier where, yeah, they were producing, but they just don't seem right or they just don't seem yeah. like they're, they're, they're pumping on all cylinders yet? Did that happen when you played? Yeah, I, I think no question. And I think what's amazing about the, the really great players is even during those times, because let's face it, you're a human being, everybody has them, whether it's your own confidence or whether it's your body or whether it's a tweak of an injury or just a section where you're getting bad breaks and the puck's not uh, bouncing your way. It, it happens at every turn. It happens at some point. It's amazing the top guys how very few times it does happen. So uh, I think the one thing is to have watching, and even Austin, you know, what shocked me early on was the amount of times where he had really good looks and had a little extra time even and was missing the net. You know, it's almost like you're so accustomed to seeing, as we did the the second goal of the year that he got the one-timer that's off the bar and in. You know, you're used to hearing that sound at the end of a good quick release. And all of a sudden, uh, I, I just said to Chris early on, I go, that's like four. I've seen him from spots that he either hits the post or make the goal he makes an amazing save or that's in. And you could just tell, okay, he's a little off. And it's not quite there. That may, the sights aren't there. The fluidity maybe is a little off. And I think what's uh, admirable, though, is you know the attention every night that he goes in with. And you know the pressure of being you know, the heart winner and a 60-goal man. So I think it's really key. I, I loved his personality through it. I mean, he didn't sulk. He obviously was disappointed, but he kept to his craft, and he, he didn't get overly down on himself. And, you know, you you see starting from that one-timer to me was, oh, he didn't even think. And then the game, the goal against Boston, just a quick play at the side of the net. That's just using your hands. That's not overreacting or trying to – to guide it in, that's just being the player that you instinctively are. And I, I think those are the signs for me that says, okay, maybe it's falling in line again. And But this is a year like no other for him, as you guys know. You, you know, coming off of 60, not that teams didn't focus on him the last couple of years anyways, but there's even more scrutiny. So you know the guys have game-planned a little bit more. Def- defensemen have tried to look at things of what can I do to take that shooting lane away or – taking his opportunities away. So it, it's going to be a constant battle, but I, I, I admire at least the fact that he didn't get overly down or overly snarky and just kept a pretty even keel, and you, and you got to feel and hope that maybe he can get on a little bit of a streak. Simmer, looking forward to your call tomorrow night, uh, Vegas versus the Leafs. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Thanks, Simmer. Simpson. Yeah, just still not, like, no peak. Well, what's 34. crazy, I mean, even strength goals, what's he got here? Two. You know, we're still in two and 13 games. And I'm not saying Matthews, it's not a greater pitcher commentary. He just hasn't scored at even strength. Got no, hardly any goals. It's insane for a guy who scored at the rate we did last year. So, I, yeah, I'm waiting too. It's coming, right? <laughs> I mean, he scores, got five now or six? Yeah, six. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Is the energy there is there the intensity there for you yet or is that still better this weekend a a couple of notches away yeah I, i thought better this weekend but yeah i still think he can be really 
you know, he got into the Selkie conversation last year. Um, I actually think I might have had him fifth on my ballot, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he was really, really good yeah. defensively last year and has not been that guy. He's been good defensively, but he hasn't been as, like, aggressive and hounding pucks, creating turnovers, getting it back all over the play. Like, right now, he seems kind of lurking, waiting for his looks rather than, you know, earning them the way he has in the past. Tammy, contention? Nothing. Good? You're good on the yeah. Austin? Yeah, I am. And then looking through the the top four player stats, you know, our, our boys, John Tavares is leading the team with eight and seven, 15 points he, in 13 games. I really don't quite understand what's happened with him this year. <laughs> he looks yeah. excellent. It's it, like, it's, is it 2013 again here? It, like, it, it's... He's competing too. Like, you can yeah. see he battles. He's not scared to go get the puck. He's not scared to fight for it off the walls. Yeah. He goes hard to the net. Working his bag off. He is working his bag off. (laughs) That's great analysis by someone. Whoever said that. He is. He he has led the charge in this uh, first dozen games. Do you want to hear an adjustment that I think Sheldon Keefe has made? Do you know how much Mitch Marner played last game? 1701. 1701. And Matt, the the highest ice time on the team, I want to say for forwards, Kerfoot had like 1850 or something like that. Like, Really spread out yeah. ice time. Um, well, when you have a capable fourth line and third line, that's the difference. Makes a big difference. And for they sure. were not capable for the first 10 games. No. No, it's a good point. You know, but all those guys have come down. Their stars too ice low, time. Though. It is. It's just way too low. Yeah. But, but it's got to be around 19. I think Marner's down yeah. to fifth in the league. His average is 21-something now. You know, again, they went down one nothing, but it wasn't enough for Sheldon to chase the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Which you do, you chase scoreboards with your best players, right? And he continued to use the whole bench, and he continued. I think that's but the that way to was, play it in a back-to-back. But, but that right? was that was until they got that uh, Yarncroft goal, which mm-hmm. I don't know how much second second period goal at the end of the second period. Yeah, Is that much, about was? five minutes left. Justin Hall, big shout out to him to make a great read on the boards. Gets pasted by yeah. Han, but makes a read to make a play. That's when Hall's at his best. He gets pasted so other people can do yeah. things. Yeah, you got smoked. <laughs> and then a second later, the puck you was in the net. I'm sure, you know, you weren't too positive when he took a cross-check and penalty and when scored DeHaan, a power play when, goal. When DeHaan launched himself into the board that they're getting tickled on the back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dive. Such a dive. Not no, happy I mean, with the officiating. Nah, every night it's bad. I, I Listen, it's a hard game to officiate. It is a really hard game to officiate. But Fastest, and, and things happen. I don't know. It's... It's hard. I hate crapping on the officials. It's such a tough one to well, do. We're good. We don't do it often. Um, but when it's... We don't. We, we really when don't. When we have no choice, we do it. Yeah. I, I really, really think they've found something <laughs> with... Officiating. <laughs> um, Hall, Hall and Brody look pretty good together. Yeah, Hall's had a, a run of hockey game since he's been paired with Brody that makes him look like a guy the least can use here. For sure. Like, I think that... I don't think he's still spectacular by any stretch of the imagination, but he definitely looks a lot better with Hall than he has at you know all. What, you know what's funny is looking back at other whipping boys of this team, it's always been guys who took chances like Jake Gardner, and then one goes the other way. Or Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry, mm-hmm. or, you know, these guys that really there's just like no defensive awareness, and all Justin Hall wants to do is play defense and be loved. <laughs> and here the fans are just like... Do something else. The, the yeah. other thing that it was, was nice, they gave him the, the wrestling thing they, I made up. He the, didn't give it. They the gave other, a wrestling belt on Saturday night. So that's right. The other thing that was noticeable to me is 
again with Lilligren in the lineup, it it backed off Morgan from trying too much. Mm-hmm. I thought I think he. I'm not saying like I'm not saying that uh, like he was quiet like unnoticeable, but the 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 willingness to take chances have quieted down for Morgan mm-hmm. on the weekend. Yeah, the the Leafs don't really have offensive D-men if you look at it, and Riley's just about the only guy. But you're right, I didn't. He's maybe at the best when he's doing what you're talking about right now. Not too much. Find sort of a happy medium. Yeah. Um, sometimes he gets a little but bit aggressive. You don't want to. You don't want to chase the scoreboard though too no. often, or because it will it will bring out that side of them. I want to say the Leafs are like 27th in the league in scoring from D. They they don't have any offense from the back end. Justin Hall has their only goal still. Uh, do you want to do it the make little- it, uh, You know, the other thought too is like Saturday night against Boston. <laughs> No Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, like, just think about that for a second. That's good. That's a. Uh, it's crazy. It's that, nice to have a guy like that waiting in the wings. If you're the Boston Bruins, I was just so impressed with Lindholm in that game oh, until, until until he made a a bad read on Willie go flying around the net, left Matthews wide open to tap one home. But at I thought some he was point really though, good. he caught Kerfoot. I think it was who's a nice skater was was flying down the rink and Lindholm long strides, strides. and just yeah. Um, do you want to do the Lilligren thing or should we go to break? Well, we could. Did we not do Lilligren? Well, we just have a Keith weighs in on Lilligren. Yeah, praise, right. praise, praise, let's, praise, let's praise. Let's throw praise. some lily pad love. All right. I thought he looked really good. Um, have to watch the game back just to be certain, you know, on all the detail of his game. But, uh, you know, I thought he moved the puck well. I thought he defended hard and well. Not an easy game to come into. Um, you know, for your first game, like, Lily didn't play any preseason, hasn't played any NHL games here yet. He's coming from the AHL. And this is a different level NHL than what we've been playing in. This was a this was a different league tonight than we've played in the previous eleven games, um, both in how we played and, and how the opponent played. Uh, just that, that was the type of game you 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 get in the latter latter part of the season. Um, so for Timothy to step in and, and look comfortable is a really good sign. Well, what league were they in in the first? 11 games? American League and a half. <laughs> yeah. The four A league. Pat, our team on I the back. I thought but... I went back and coached the Marlies, <laughs> for God's sake. But he, that he was particularly horned up after this game, the Boston game. <laughs> he, he was pretty he was, jazzed. He was, he was ready to talk. Yeah. Not okay. to oversell it. We're going to take a quick break. Brian Lawton, who's been on this show many times, is going to chime in on uh, his Leaf impressions and also like, what happened with the Boston Bruins. Like, 180 here, boys. Complete 180. We had a pretty in-depth conversation uh, towards the end of the week. And then, uh, lo and behold, Mitch Miller is no longer with the Boston Bruins. Are we going to start that with Lots? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Lots, he's like a vice president and governor of the of an nhl team like well, we're I'm glad we got this guy on our show today. Where, where does it go like how, how does this happen how does how does the boston bruins feel so confident on signing and then how do they backtrack 48 hours later you're not, I, I you're not hear impressed eh you're not impressed eh i i can't believe we're just doing this now eh? i shouldn't be doing it now we'll no do no it. we're gonna do it after the break okay. with lots all right we're just getting warmed up pal let's save it buddy. okay brian lawton after the break real kipper and born watching and l- Watching on YouTube and listening on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. 
waiting on Brian Lawton, former NHL player, agent, general manager, analyst. Guy does it all. He has a better resume than me. Lots, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Kipper, Justin, I'm doing fantastic, fellas. How are you? Uh, we're good. Uh, I said that we we're going to talk a little Boston Bruins, but before that, uh, you know, we'll keep it a little bit positive around the Toronto Maple Leafs. We are a Toronto Maple Leafs show, so why don't we get your impressions of of uh, of the potential turnaround to their season with a very good weekend against Boston and Carolina? Yeah, terrific weekend. Uh, you know, what can you say? It didn't come too early from all the noise that we were hearing up there. <laughs> that, that's for sure. But uh, you had to think that the Leafs would kind of write things. You know, it's been a, a rather suspect start by them. You know, a team that you always feel like coming off a first-round loss, that they're going to come back enthused. They're going to light the world on fire, and everything's going to be perfect. It doesn't always work that way. A slow start by some of the star players, some goaltending issues, some losses to teams in the bottom third of the league already uh, has caused a lot of chaos for the Leafs. But I love the way they've responded recently. You're talking about a very good Carolina team, albeit they looked a little tired, in my opinion. But Boston's been terrific and a huge win over Philly. So all of a sudden, uh, a chaotic start looks just fine right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And does anything that you've seen in this looking just fine change how you felt about this team? The, the whole year is a referendum on will this team be different come playoffs? Do you have any reason to believe they're going to be any different this time around? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That seems to be the consensus a lot of places here. Just not a whole lot of roster turnover and, you know, kind of relying on the same core, right? Exactly. And, you know, when it wasn't going very well, right, because being 500 just a few games ago, three games ago, that's not considered very well with the teams that the Leafs played. But I definitely was looking at their team going, okay, they're better than this. But the question that you're asking is, what can they do eventually when they make the playoffs? Because I've never for a second this year not thought the Toronto Maple Leafs would make the playoffs. I do believe they will. Even when it was doom and gloom up there, I was still analyzing this team saying, you know what, they're still a playoff team. They've got some star players. I still don't like the mix of where their money has gone. I don't like that they're constantly chasing it. It feels like in goal. They're constantly chasing it on their blue line. But I do love their forwards. And that's kind of still my assessment of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You mentioned goaltending. There's no uh, evidence to suggest that, uh, you know, the rest of the month may be uh, a situation where we see Matt Murray or or Samsonov. So do do the Leafs have any other choice than to go with their third and fourth string goalies? Not right now. Not when you look at their salary cap position that they're in. Not when you look at the options that are out there and what the costs might be. Um, I think it's going to be Sheldon for a while. I mean, Matt Murray, obviously, everybody knows, is supposed to be getting closer to getting back on the ice. Uh, He didn't play very much, to be fair to him, 
you know, in the limited time he had, an 826 safe percentage doesn't exactly build a lot of confidence. Uh, so you'd have to think when he gets back, if he does get enough time to fully heal, he's got to play better than that. I think that's pretty mm-hmm. well understood. Uh, Samsonov has played, you know, pretty well when you look at his numbers and what he's contributed in a limited time. But uh, I don't see either one of those guys certainly for the next couple of weeks uh, being able to contribute in any meaningful way. How do you think the Leafs should handle a guy like Nick Robertson here right now, who a young guy full of promise scores in junior hasn't found a consistency yet at the NHL level. You know, he can't really play in the bot on the bottom line, given his style necessarily. How do you get this guy to develop while at the same time, helping you win in the short term? Uh, Pretty tall task you're asking Is it? from a guy that, you know, yeah, it's tough for him. I mean, when you look at the points, you say, my goodness, he's got five points in seven games. He should be able to contribute. Um, but I don't think so with the group of forwards that's ahead of him. And it is a struggle for him to try to give them what they need out of those bottom two lines, which is some consistency and some identity. And I, I just think they really lack that right now. And it's it's been problematic for them because when your star guys aren't going well and when you look at the star guys numbers now they all look terrific so don't don't take it that way but when you're not winning and your star guys aren't contributing in a big way then you're looking to those guys in the bottom six to step up to carry you even in the national hockey league i mean this is not basketball everybody needs to play a role And for a guy like Nick Robertson, he's a guy that's caught a little bit in between right now. Eventually, the good news is eventually he looks like a guy that could maybe fill one of those top six spots at a little bit cheaper money. So that's a positive for the Leafs, but it's very difficult to try to integrate him into the club and, uh, you know, instantaneously ask him to change his game to the way they need him to get the type of contribution they need to win right now. We're talking to Brian Lawton, former NHL player, agent, general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. As I said, uh, going into break, we talked a little bit about this situation uh, with the Boston Bruins. Uh, you had a similar role of a Cam Neely and a Don Sweeney who were you know, at the forefront of making the decision to, uh, first of all, uh, sign uh, Mitchell Miller and then... Um, announcing that they will part ways with him. Uh, lots, when you, when you saw this, the moment that you heard about it, you know, did it ever really truly stand a chance? We had conversations going into the, the weekend, myself, Justin, Sammy here, where we had conversations about whether or not this kid deserves a second chance, and if so, when is it? But it never got to that because of how I think the whole scenario was handled and what they thought or maybe didn't think about things that were done in the process of getting Mitchell to the point where they could sign him. So in your mind, as in an executive position, where did this go wrong for you? A lot of places when you look into the details of what's transpired, a lot of it has to do with, just accepting where the world is at. I mean, Kipper, you and I have a friend that was convicted of vehicular manslaughter 
many, many years ago and went on and played essentially 17 seasons in the National Hockey League. He was given a second chance. That was incredibly unique circumstances. The young woman that, and I'm talking about Craig McTavish, in a horrific you know, decision, a horrific outcome that happened so long ago. you got to go all the way back to 1984, I believe. I started in 83, so this was always fresh in my mind. Uh, Craig got a, he got a second chance. And in today's world, I'm not sure if that exists. I don't know if Craig would have got a second chance today. I know that was a horrific experience for him, for other families, uh, but there was forgiveness there. There were people that believed in second chances, and the circumstances were such that Craig did everything in his power to make it as right as you could make it, which is never being back to whole. But he did get a second chance. I don't know if that will ever exist for this young man in today's society. I've, I don't know what the answer is to that, Kipper. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to sound no, downtrodden. I, I, I just, I don't know. But I, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that were had a definitive no, including our Sammy, that would have felt a lot better if certain actions were met. And I don't think Boston ever gave themselves a chance at this. When I hear that there was no contact to the family and the family found out the way we found out through the media was a horrific mistake. How do you not reach out to the family and at least tell them that this is the direction we'd like to go? How do you feel about it? Like, that alone was a horrific mistake. Every team lots, including when you were in Tampa, have a PR department. How do they not forewarn Cam Neely and Don Sweeney? These are the questions that are coming. Here's one. Have you contacted the family? How do they feel? Here's another one. What has this kid done in the process of rehabilitating his image? What were the courses that he took? Do you know people, like, do this for a living? They'll find out if you're BSing or not. Like, how do do you think you're going to pull this off? Uh, No doubt about it. And listening to Cam, listening to his press conference say, you could tell he was pretty irate. He's pretty hot. I don't know what happened there. I think we'll find out exactly what happened before it's all said and done. Cam was talking about uh, really diving into this and finding out, you know, where these steps were missed. And he was not a happy camper. He looked like the guy that you remember as a player who would punch you in the nose when he wasn't a happy camper. But but that's not the world we're in today, and Cam's going to get to the bottom of it, and I have full confidence that uh, you haven't heard the last of this because there were a lot of steps that were missed. Um, it's unfortunate for the family. Uh, it's unfortunate for Mitchell in some respects, but until you can prove to society and not just the family, but until you can prove to everybody, which is a tough standard, I don't see him getting a chance to, to play in the National Hockey League. I think Gary Bettman was pretty clear about that. So what does all that mean? It means you're going to have to actually not only do the work, but you're going to have to make sure it's known before anybody moves forward. This has happened a couple of times with teams already, which to me is almost unconscionable, and yet it has. Uh, is it going to happen a third time? Not a chance. I think 
after this stage of what we've seen, uh, there's going to have to be some significant changes in how people think about these types of circumstances being corrected. I do believe if I asked 100 people, do you believe in second chances, 90 of them will say absolutely. Yeah, but so I, I don't think, think there's a path out there. Go ahead. Sorry, just. No, no, sorry, Les. I was just going to say that I don't think anyone here is opposed to the second chances. It's the, you know, the lack of contrition and remorse, you know, that he hasn't demonstrated being worthy of one. And surely that comes first rather than being fully entitled to one without the work coming first. I also just wanted to ask you about Neely and, you know, looking into this. That seems like a strange framing to me for a guy who should be the guy who knows right this is a ma- this impacts your organization is not the, the the person at the top somewhat responsible to know when these decisions are being made what happened what's been done before they take it on everything you're saying seems correct and yet you know having managed a club and you know watching sometimes how people process information um it's easy to get it's easy to lose your bearings. And if I think, if, you know, the Bruins players, they haven't lost their bearings. You saw their reaction. Right. Uh, um, Cam Neely, he was pretty clear about it, being unhappy about it. How does it happen? I don't know, but I do believe that we haven't heard the last of this. I think we'll find out a lot more. We'll find out exactly what people said. You'll find out exactly what process was used and uh, somewhere in there, you're going to find that the ball was dropped. I just I can't say what that is right now. I haven't talked to enough people there, but there's enough people that I think are going to push this that everyone's going to find out. Uh, as someone that's uh, dealt with contracts all the time, I, I, I want to ask you uh, again, uh, when the Boston Bruins announced uh, they'll part ways with Mitchell Miller, they said in a statement, uh, based on new information, we believe it is the best decision at this time to rescind the opportunity for Mitchell Miller. They didn't say rescind the contract for Mitchell Miller. Uh, This contract went through. It's registered. It's signed. They owe him, I don't know, 250, 275 on a signing bonus. Really? You think the guy still wants his money? You think he's okay walking away from that? Is that... A contract now that remains. He may have lost the opportunity, but did he lose his contract? Well, legally, he'll have rights. The Players Association is still bound to, they're bound to protect every player. He's in the entry level system. He's got a signing bonus. I think it's 95 a year. Uh, essentially, he'd be put on unconditional waivers for the purposes of being bought out unless, and it has happened in the past, you may think. This sounds sounds strange, but players do walk away from contracts. Why would they do that? There's a million different reasons. Guy may want to go back to Europe, so he needs to get clear of his NHL contract. So put him on unconditional waivers. He basically rescinds his right to that contract, and it's over. Does that mean that that's going to happen here? I have no idea. I've not heard that. But from a legal standpoint, Yes, he's absolutely owed money. Might it be better for him down the road if he didn't take it, rehabilitate himself, and then comes back for another try? Maybe. Uh, I haven't done enough due diligence to know what that course should be, but we'll find that out as well. 
But uh, as a legal standpoint, yes, unless there's some deception that can be proved or deceitfulness, then his contract will be bought out. He'll get paid one-third of his minor league salary, and he'll get his signing bonus unless there's a loophole on how that language was written that maybe encompassed something like this. I don't know. Haven't seen that language yet. Hey, Lots, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Lots. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me on. Let's have a, a, a cheerier talk next time. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, always the case on this show. All right. Thanks, Brian Lawton. Sammy, you okay? He always kind of... Getting the headphones on. Yeah, Do we I'm fine. really have to talk about this? No, I'm I don't like, say that. Yes, we I don't, really I don't, do. I didn't no, say I... we had to talk about it. I just... It's not what you sign up for talking about, but these Correct. situations pop up and you have to talk about them. I I think what you said there, Kipper, in when you were talking to Lots, is how... I, I don't understand how all this stuff just slips through the cracks and there's only one answer. This didn't do anything, and I don't think they expected this. Wow. They didn't expect the blowback. I don't think I think there's a pretty easy thing Cam here that they could have too. We, he failed. He failed. He he admitted it. He failed. Yeah. No no question that uh uh he did fail. Uh, I do you think that the pushback from the public or the team was more surprising and important? Oh, I think we just the team got a very they sent the the player sent a very big message. This is when it really turned, eh? Yeah. When the oh, players yeah. responded, hundred yeah. percent. And I give the players full credit. You know what they said, basically. You know, you guys want to talk about culture. We're the culture. Hundred percent. You can yeah. you can you know lead in many ways, but we are in this dress room the culture yeah. of the Boston Bruins, and this culture isn't really happy right now well, and that's when this thing really derailed you know i thought go ahead sam nick felino was when he talked on like nick felino is you know say what he will say, say what you will about what happened here in terms like but he is an outstanding representative of the league the guy talks the way he just is with the media just in terms of being a guy in the league he's an outstanding guy and his quote on Saturday about what they walk around and how they like to present themselves and the way that they take pride in it. And he did a really long, thought-out sort of diatribe. It just was such a weird slap in the face. Mm -hmm. And then just to rescind it. And like you said, maybe they still have to pay him. Like, what a mess. Well, I, you know, I thought Brad Marchand made really interesting comments. He said something like, if you're not... You know, if you're not going to be this certain type of person, then you're in our, you know, for our dressing room, then you're not going to be here. Like you're going to be gone. Where how many players are comfortable telling other players you're going to be gone? You can't be a part of this because I am one of the people who is in control of yeah. who comes and goes in this room. I, you know, I thought that was somewhat. How many teams in the league have a a united core of people like that who would have stood up and said, "Nah, yeah, not not yeah, here." That's a great question. We I don't are, know. We're, we're talking about historically some of the, the best Boston Bruins in history now with Patrice oh, Bergeron, yeah, yeah. For sure. Brad Marchand, and the culture that uh, uh, Chara left you with. Mm -hmm. Like, think about that. Think mm -hmm. about the man Zidane Chara Just is. upstanding who is, citizen. Who is, like, who they're trying to fall in the footsteps here. Yeah. So yeah. They, off they, the ice, they, upstanding. They, the, the clout, <laughs> not on the ice. <laughs> right. The, the clout of, of a Patrice Bergeron is, mm -hmm. is up there with, any modern-day player in history. Yeah. Any player in history is 
and in general. Mm-hmm. Like that's that when he spoke and he tried to say the right things for the organization to not embarrass the organization, right? Like to Elliot yeah. and all that. He didn't come out and say this was dumb, but, but he did say again, mm-hmm. like didn't have as, to. as a PR right. department, as a public relations department. How on earth can you? Allow this to happen without fighting Such tooth a good and point. nail. You, that that okay. Oh, right, and and what are you gonna say? And uh, hey, Patrice, what are you gonna say? Surely the team went to them and said, "What's gonna be the problems with getting over a thing we right. probably shouldn't do here?" It, it needs to be <laughs> from a negative it, angle. As far as the public perception, it yeah. needs to be uh, choreographed. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna say? Are you going? Uh, are you publicly going against what it? What bases need and to be covered? And if you are, then. Cam Neely, you can't go and 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 sell sell one message and have future Hall of Famer Patrice Bergeron uh, go the other way. It yeah. just it makes no sense. Yeah, it, it it will it will damage us. Yeah. So where are we on this? Where's that PR department to tell you this is this is where you're going to be? really in trouble here well it's crazy too because they got to where they should have been in the first place which is the conclusion that this kid has not done enough on his own accord mm-hmm. to you know he it doesn't feel like a guy in his heart who's like you know working through the mistakes of his past he's a guy like how do i get to this money so, in this league so he told you that you he went through all these programs but he didn't really go through the programs. i assume or, that's what happened right? here like what what you just he just said something, and you said, "Okay, yeah, that's good enough for us." Right. And then you think of the family. So unbruined. Like you think of the family that has to like be brought through the mud again on this. Like yeah, every time the kid steps up a level, they yeah. got to have these conversations and it comes again. Back up for around. Me, and how me, do you not talk to them? For me, it's nuts. This the only way this happened is that again you come clean to the family to the point where I I I, I can't do this without you mm. uh, and. You know, what can we do together to make amends here? What can I do? Uh, like, I don't listen. I mean, there are times when my dad and my mom sent me because I, you know, hit a kid, mm. you know, in the playground. And my message was clear. You you beg for forgiveness. Right. That's what you do. You make that kid feel like for sure it's never going to happen again. And you beg for forgiveness. This kid needed to beg that family for forgiveness and tell them what can i do uh can i offer you uh 25 of my salary moving forward can i whatever it takes i know what you mean yeah can we do a foundation can we work together on a foundation yeah can i is there anything humanly possible for me to show you remorse that's the only way it stood a chance yeah Mm -hmm. and it didn't happen yeah it is really a, a mess now because the league being like yeah we didn't approve this and it's like but you did approve the contract so that's confusing there's, there's he said she said going both ways yeah on that in terms of what happened with if it was available i'm sorry if they could if they signed it and it was allowed and if it wasn't like i have the quotes here um, oh it was signed yeah batman said that before the bruins made the decision to sign mitchell we were not consulted and then Cam Mealy said that I want to clarify, Don Sweeney talked to NHL Deputy, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly on Wednesday, and that was two days before the Bruins announced the signing. So there's some squabbles so there. Is this going to affect our salary cap? And there's, our... Some, there's some he said, she said going on. Well, okay. That's good. I've, okay. Good now. Okay. I'm glad. I, I yep. think we, we can move on. said but... what we had to say. Okay, Sammy, um, feel a little bit for Jack Campbell. Just a little bit, please. 
Come on, show your human side and drop the the maple leaf. Uh, He's got a great no, There's also no reason to root against him. Like, none. He's, he's the got, nicest he's, guy. He came here, played well. The nice nicest guy. guy you'll ever meet. Went and signed the contract a, he deserved. He's got a great record. He's 5-3. and three. Oh, yeah. Hot start. With a 420 goals against and an 874 save percentage. 420. <laughs> In eight games. And I despise that dude. <laughs> Unfortunately, the things that we had talked about all of last season in terms of being wearing it or being too hard on, on himself, kind of did it the other day with the term, I'm pathetic. Was that it, Sammy? Uh, yeah, we got the clip. When I, when yeah, let's have okay. a listen. Kind of like it's gone all year for me personally. You know, I just haven't brought my best, and frankly, it's just been uh, pathetic the way I've been playing. So, you know, I owe it to this team to bring my, my A game, and they haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to just keep working hard, and I'm going to get through this and be there for the guys, but they've been playing great. PTSD. I think he's fine. Just don't PTSD. use the word pathetic. <laughs> That's the headliner. Let me so. just say... At first, I hear his voice, and I'm like, like hearing an ex. Like, oh my god, know, yeah. like flashbacks. Like, playing, love that so. guy. And then you hear him for a bit, and you're like, oh, that's why I'm glad he's not here. <laughs> like, well, I'm glad we broke up. <laughs> you know, I, he struggles with with that part of it for sure. But the headline you wrote the headline by saying gender sent. Oh, a hundred percent. I would you, so you, be you, that guy. You, they're, they're still going to write stories that you're struggling. Yeah, but you give them a headline. Well, you also give people pathetic to use harsher language about you because when you go, because they go, well, he called himself pathetic. Of course I can say he's playing like a schlub or a bummer of whatever. Like he called himself that. You kind of open the gates to everyone calling you names because you're doing it to yourself. It's probably something deeper and psychological in there that mm -hmm. I'm missing, but. And he's, he's, he's got a lot of time to turn this around and Skinner's going to challenge him now. He's got. Five years. I got to tell you guys, I mean, five-year deal, five million bucks. I struggle out of the gates. I'm, I'm whistling in my interviews. I'm like, yeah, I'll be better. I'm fine. I got tons of time. Like, I, I can't believe he's kicking well, his own butt so much. You know, over. You, know, you know, I'm not suggesting he does that either if he's listening to the show. You thinking? Oh, I get, that, that one would piss. If he was I, just like, ah, we're good. I think there's just a fine line where he challenges himself to be better. And uh, like you said, I will. I think he was fine. Yeah. Until this and. You know what's funny? I, until he, he used the word pathetic. What's funny about hearing you say that, like, you can't do that either. And I was like, you know, you know, like initially it's like, I can't see what the problem with that is. Mrazic did that here. Mrazic played, like, terribly after getting his three-year sort of bigger deal for him. And he was like, nah, I'm a pretty good goalie. <laughs> yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah. I'll be right. yeah, like, he yeah. never once, like, we wavered. We spent an hour on the show saying, hey, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't care. No. He could have. Let me tell you, when I was with the, the Toronto Marlies, um, Alex Stalock got sent down to us. I forget what was going on in his world, but he was in the American League with us, and he knew he wasn't going to stay in the American yes. League. He was terrible for us. He couldn't care less. He was having a great time. You know, he could have given up six, given it, it directly was, it away. Was on, it was on the, uh, like, they took him because of a deal. They took on the contract. Yeah. Was that it? Yes. He was like just to play out the end of a deal. And play out so the end of a deal. So he knew he wasn't in the organization. Yes. And he knew he was retiring probably. You no, know, he's no, he? somewhere in Chicago I think he, I think right he plays. Now. Yeah. 
Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of somebody else. But though. I mean, he'd have a chew, and he'd be, you know, the coaches be out having a beer. And, you know, it'd be me alone at one so in the morning he, bar. Why, he stay locked? Why, why would you know that he's not has no chance of he ever just, coming? He felt like he was an NHL goaltender, and that he knew the Leafs. I think you're right. They maybe brought him in for a contract purpose. He wasn't the the organization had no intent to keep him. He yeah. was just kind of there. He was traded from the Sharks with Ben Smith for James Reimer and okay. uh, Jeremy. Murray. All right. Either way, but just hearing a guy like not care and play bad, it's a tough look. Who's the goalie that they? Oh, I'm thinking of the goalie from Arizona who came over. Barry uh, Terry? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. There was a veteran hey! there that his his contract got traded to the Leafs, but I don't think he physically went. Oh, I don't no know. idea. God, uh, they had this nine, was last they, year. They had like seven. I'm the one with the six concussions. Last year? You should remember this. Uh-huh. No goalie from Arizona. I've, though. I've done damage to my brain in different ways, Kipper. Or, or maybe two years ago. But there was a floating contract that they took on. Vinny Vivalainen? Maybe, maybe with the... Uh, How can I not remember Maybe this? with the uh, Nick Ritchie deal and the Labushkin. Did they not pick up a... See, now it's driving me nuts now. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get the... Uh, Carter Carter Hutton. How did Carter Hutton end up with a... Oh, yeah. Wasn't he like on loan or something? Yeah, but they had oh, to Oh, this take... year he was in Nashville. I don't know what's no, no, going Carter, on right now. No, Hutton's done now. <laughs> I think it was Carter Hutton. It was. No, though they had him on, they traded for him, but then had him on the Leafs. Was he on loan? It was the contract. It was a dump. It was a salary cap situation. I think we should move on. Okay. Forget it. Forget <laughs> it. Forget I even brought it up. I don't think it was Carter Hutton, but I know what you're talking about, and I can't think of the name. Is someone gonna, on the chat going to say Yeah, YouTube chat. Please check us. Fix it us. was Carter Hutton, apparently. Carter Hutton. Thank you. Future considerations study your contract. Yes. All right. It was just a money thing. That's mm-hmm. all. That's who I thought uh, instead of stay locked. Good ducks. Just yes, there. exciting radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where do you want to go now? Jersey, fastest team in the league? Canucks um, blew another multi-goal lead. Penguins have lost seven in a row. Vegas first, has won seven in a row. First time since um, Sid's rookie year that they've lost seven in a row. Jonathan Uberdo has one goal and four points in ten games for the Flames. Dash five. I thought... What caught your interest of Did, all the things uh, we just suggested? I thought maybe, like, Kevin Bx's speech would it completely turn around. You, good speech. Good A- speech. Excellent speech. Oh, good speech for Kevin Bx's. Yeah. Horrible speech for Bruce Boudreaux. Why, why is that? Why well, you, you, you need Kevin Bx to come in and tell your players to have take some extra pride shots, in the room. have some pride in the Work room. Work hard. No, no. Stay extra to shoot pucks. <laughs> right, and then, Only and then, you would and think then the that. Vancouver media is all over it, going, "Oh, we counted like seven guys after practice staying extra to shoot bucks." I'm like, "That hey, makes me want to pull my hair out." It's hey. like they didn't know to work hard. Hey, hey, <laughs> Bruce, what are you telling them? I, I got to tell you, after practice in the ECHL, we used to go out for some long lunches at a sushi place, not shoot pucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, someone, I could use that lecture from BXO when I was younger. That's funny. I like that speech, though. Uh, their fi- NHL worst fifth loss this season when holding a multi-goal lead. It's November 7th. Yeah, they're up three zip. and uh, At home? No. Yes, yes it was. How home. many goals for uh, Bo Horvat? Nine, ten. And you ten. can't have Your captain a is- conversation to negotiation. Uh, it's not. They haven't made any progress there? Zippo. Are, are they trying to? No. Yeah, I wouldn't. Right, so right now, so far, old Rutherford and Alvine. I mean, that that's going into the weekend. I don't know if they changed their mind, but 
Yeah. It is weird to me. So, so far all... That there's been nothing. No. Yeah, you would think this would be a priority to get sorted out. And they did lowball a, an offer, which... To Horvat. To piss him off. When? Uh, this year? Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And it wasn't... It was like... It was probably like a... Uh, uh, Deneau in L.A.? <laughs> like five by five and a half maybe, or something? Maybe yeah. a little more. Yeah. Maybe a little more. I got to believe, if you're for Bo Horvat, you're looking at Morgan Riley's contract. I know they're not comparable players. I'm just saying those numbers. Like, what is he, seven and a half by seven years or something? Yes. I would think you're very close to yeah. what I think is a is a, a fair like can he can he get more by someone overpaying? Maybe, but I, I think seven to seven and a half is very fair. It's crazy to me that the Canucks are, you know, they signed the JT Miller contract, which looked bad, I don't know, thirty-eight hours after they signed. I don't know how soon it looked bad. Maybe it was like a few months or something, but does that not look like a tough contract for the Canucks where they're at in their build right now? Like I would be trading trading Bo Hart or Rat. Pretty and I would I would Love to get my hands on him. Their season's he, over. The Canucks season's over. He is, uh, to me... I, November 7th. I would look at uh, Bo Horvat like St. Louis looked at Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, what? I'm just saying that's very complimentary of Bo Horvat. I think he can be that that type of leader, though. Yeah, some guy I to do. be a captain on another team, kind of be a horse yeah. in the playoffs, and yeah. You have you have Ryan O'Reilly much better than Bo Horvat. I do. I think O'Reilly's really Be, uh, more more diligent to uh, two hundred feet. Yeah, he's okay. a great yeah, I see defensive. That. I see that. The, I, great did centerman. Bo, did Bo Horvat win the Consmite? Yeah, I, I mean maybe didn't possibly didn't, didn't Ryan O'Reilly win? Consmite? He did. Yeah. yeah. Would he be on Team Canada? Because I think Ryan O'Reilly would have been for a while. I don't know. I but, don't think they're in the same class of player to me. But but I get it's not far behind. I get the idea that if you're a team out there, what, how old is Horvat? Let's give that a quick goggle. Oh, Horvat age. We're looking at 27. Yeah, he's that 27, young? Yeah. No, yeah. he's not. Yeah, he is. He is. What do you guys think of uh, Matthew Kachuk's suspension? Did you see the, I did. the, the stick into Quick's eye? Uh, yeah, what do you think? By the way, Bo's first name is Bowie, and my, I did not know Bowie? that. As in David, my, like Bowie. Bowie Horvat. My my feeling is that uh, Kachuk is is got uh, Leaf Kadri syndrome, mm-hmm. where he looks around the room, thinks the team's soft, so he's going to go now. Who's going to do it if I won't? He's, he's going to go and 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 overstep now and put himself in a position where he thinks he needs to do so much that he needs to do something at times goofy. Mm-hmm. And that's almost admirable. That was goofy. No, uh, at least Kadri's was body contact. Yeah, body contact. I'm not trying to <laughs> shish kebab someone's eyeball. No, you're right. They got Ryan Lomberg. They got Radko Gudis. They got. I like, don't know. It just. Yeah. It, but but no. Do you know th- there is the pressure that they were soft. That's mm-hmm. why they got rid of Huberto. Uh, and I see. Uyghur. Yeah. So pressure to, for that pressure. element of his game to show up. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Got to yeah. show why I'm different and what more I do. Yeah. If you. And Kadri had that problem with the Leafs. Yep. 
If you do look into the, you know, play driving numbers and anything outside golden assists, Matthew Kachuk has been absolutely dynamite for Florida. Like one of the best players in the league, you know, shots, controlling play, and he's been all over the ring. So he's been good for them. He's not their problem. Uh, surprised one goal for Jonathan Huberto? I mean, I'm surprised, but Daryl Sutter's a different coach to play for than, you know, the wide open style yeah. they would have had under he Needs to Brunette find some and... chemistry with somebody, that's all. Yeah. That still hasn't happened. He's got eight years to figure it out. He's got plenty of time. Him and Jack Campbell. (laughs) (laughs) can count their money while they're waiting for time to sort it out. Oh, and Hubie's double. Oh, man. Ten over ten. If Sportsnet listened to the show, they're like, never give him a long-term contract. Because I've told you guys ten times, I would check out. All right, our thanks (laughs) to Craig Simpson, Hockey Night in Canada analyst, and Brian Lawton, former player agent, general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. What's up tonight, guys? I don't know. All right. Enjoy, everybody. (laughs) We're back tomorrow. Later, guys.